this morning we're talking about stewardship. Okay, everybody say, oh no. <laughs> I love you. I love that. I kept thinking about this as we were singing that song. It's your breath in our lungs, right? So what do we do with the breath that he gives us in that song? We, what do we say? We pour out our praise. And I start thinking, like, this is exactly what we're talking about this morning. Is that stewardship is when we take what's been given to our care and we then return it. That was so good. And y'all are like, what? Okay. When you, just a minute ago, I mean, that was some, listen, that was some amazing worship, right? And, 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 and you know, aren't, isn't the band great? Don't you love Zach and them? Love that. We, we're so honored to have you with us right now. Just thank you so much. But the worship wasn't great because of Zach. You brought that, right? What was the prophetic word that was giving, given over our church way back in the bar? If you're new to our church, um, our church history is that we've met in a lot of different locations before we got here, but one of them was a bar. That's a fun journey, y'all, when you're meeting in a bar. How many of you were on the team that would come in on Sundays and sometimes clean up the mess from the Saturday night bar night? Anybody here? Yeah, like that was fun. It's like, um, what do we do with this beer? <laughs> Don't drink it. <laughs> right. right. Um, but one of the words that was given was that God was going to release a tsunami of his spirit over our church. And, and the, the specific word was that right now when a tsunami is getting ready to come in, all the water pulls back, right? So the beach is bare. You just watch the water get sucked back into the ocean. And the specific part of that word was that God, right now, that's what he's doing so that he can get rid of all of the sharp objects in the sand so that when the tsunami comes, those objects don't hurt people. That was pre-COVID, y'all. You think that's happening? Yeah. He's pulled things back. He's purging. He's removing not, don't think people, right? Don't, this is not, that's where we all want to go. We always go, like, oh, that's right, that's why they're not with us right now. No, that's not it at all. He's purging. Purging doesn't just mean that you throw away. Purging sometimes means that you replace, you reposition. He's doing all of that, and then he's just going to release this tsunami, right, of, the, of worship. And then when we got in this building, it was a, a little over a year ago that I saw that, right? I saw this wave of worship, this huge wave coming towards the platform, and it was a wave coming from the back of the house to the front of the house, and that's what he's doing, right? And it only happens because you are willing to steward the breath he gave, he's given you, right? Does that make sense? I told Wendy, um, I, I, I don't even, it's not that I don't like to talk about money, because Jesus talked about money a lot. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell, in case you didn't know. Apparently you didn't know. So he did. He, he talked about heaven. He talked about money and resources more than heaven and hell. Um, just a quick show of hands. This is not a trick question. Feel free to answer with your hand way up. How many of you think that eternity is an important topic? Raise your hand. Yeah. He talked about money more. I'm going to throw that out there, right? Pastors talk about it less, but he talked about it more. And, and it's not that I'm afraid to talk about it. As a matter of fact, we'll make sure we link. Um, we send out an email every Monday with, a, with like, hey, go see the message if you missed it. Um, but we'll make sure we put at the bottom a link to a series that we did called Dollars and Cents. Um, it was a while back, maybe two years ago. I'm not sure. Um, and it's got a lot of really practical teaching about all the things that we won't cover today, right? Because today is not just about your money. It's, way, it's about way more than a tithe. Stewardship is how we say to the Lord, you are Lord, right? And so I told Wendy, like, I think my struggle has been, and you'll love this if you like short sermons. It's like, I don't know what else to say other than if he's Lord, you'll give. What else is there to say? 
But we don't want to say that because if I say that, then it's going to make you feel like if you don't give, he might not be your Lord. And that's why pastors don't talk about money. Did you know statistically speaking in America today, 75 to 90 percent of church goers do not tithe. Did you get that? 75 to 90 percent. If we could line up 10 people on this platform, up to nine of those people would say, I love Jesus, I go to church, I don't obey scripture. Was that too harsh? <laughs> I've got, literally, I have in my notes, right? I have this line. Check this out. I think the reason we let people off the hook about not giving is because we don't want to imply that upwards of 80% or 90% of the people who sit in our churches and don't give don't love Jesus. So since this intro is already a slap in the face, I'll just tell you that I don't have to imply it. Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one, how many? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Somebody say cannot. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' words, not mine. This is about lordship. I told you at the beginning of this series, right, this Born Again series, we're taking the whole summer, we're talking about marks of the born again life. And some marks, you know, we, we love them, right? Um, but if you've, have you noticed a theme? I told you at the very beginning, the foundation of this entire series is a three-word statement of faith. Jesus is Lord. That's what makes you born again, right? That's what takes you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is that he is Lord. So I thought about this, like all the things we've talked about to this point, right, it's, it's, it's not like it's hard, it's, it's not like it's easy to do, but we do it because he's Lord, right? Baptism, so much more than getting wet, right? It's Jesus is my Lord, and Jesus said you should be baptized, and so my answer is yes, Lord, right? Jesus says, hey, those friends you're hanging out with, the closest friends you have in your life, the ones that you allow to speak into your life, the ones who are shaping your identity and helping to remind you of who you are, they're not good for you. You, you might need to, in a very as Christian way as possible, ditch those friends and build new relationships with people who will actually speak into your life about who you are in Christ. And my answer to that is, yes, Lord. You see where this is going? I don't really like to read the Bible, God. I don't even understand it. And I'm trying, I'm like, God, I'm reading the message and I don't understand it. That's a bad place to be, y'all. But sometimes we don't understand it. But that's a mark of the born-again life. You can't say you're born again and never crack a Bible. This isn't legalism. This is just living, right? And so if I can't say to God when I get to heaven, or you know, I, I wanted to read the Bible. I mean, I'm so thankful for you version. It got me down to just one verse a day. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, I just don't understand it. And so I didn't. My only answer is, oh, oh you, your, your word written is actually you? You are the word made flesh? You want me to hang out with you and read that every day? Uh, yes, Lord. Can I please make a cup of coffee first? He's like, absolutely, right? Absolutely. When it comes to prayer, like, I, I don't know, God. Like, I, I just don't always feel the goosebumps when I'm praying. But my answer is, yes, Lord. Any Princess Bride fans in the room? Princess Bride, the Princess Bride, have you... Not seen the Princess Bride, y'all? Oh, you need to watch the Princess Bride for so many reasons. 
There are so many reasons you should watch The Princess Bride, but the number one reason you should watch it is because Wesley always said the same thing whenever the princess asked him to do something. All my Princess Bride fans, I'm giving you time to think about what he, what he said so that you can say it with me. Three words. He would always say, as you wish. That's our response. When Jesus is Lord, what he asks us to do, our response is, as you wish. And sometimes in life, yeah, have you noticed sometimes in life you are saying that as you roll downhill? That's for all the Princess Bride fans, right? Because she gets mad at him and she pushes him down the hill and he like, he's, going, he's rolling down the hill going, as you wish. But sometimes that's us. Like life doesn't work out like, quite like we like. But if he's Lord, he's still Lord then too. And then we come to money. We come to resources. We come to our time and our talent and our treasures. And in that moment, we go, maybe, Lord. Martin Luther, brilliant man, right? Like Martin Luther, he said this, there are three conversions necessary. A conversion of the heart, a conversion of the mind, and a conversion of the purse. I, um, I don't want to go on record as the guy who said Luther was wrong, okay? So hang with me. But he might have been wrong. I don't think that we need to say to ourselves we need three conversions. I think what we should say, especially according to the verse that we just read from Jesus about no one being able to serve two masters, I think what we should say is if my purse isn't converted, I might not be either. Man, that was just the introduction. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do, right? Y'all already want to throw stuff at me. I can sense it. All right, some scripture for you because that's a, that's a tough statement, right? And, and I'm, I'm going to try to be a really good pastor this morning and just let you sit with that feeling. I'm not going to talk you out of the conviction, Right? If my introduction made you go, oh, crap, I'm going to let you sit there. It's not going to get better. Here we go. Just a couple points. Number, Let's look at Psalm 24.1. I'm just going to try to give you a bunch of scripture, and, and i got to get to this quote at the end. It's going to blow your mind or make you really matter. Psalm 24.1 says this, the earth is the Lord's, and how much in it? Everything, the world and all who live in it. Can you just write this down if you're taking notes? It isn't yours anyway. The problem that we have with our stuff is that we are convinced it's our stuff. Isn't it funny how neighbors build fences to protect what apparently isn't even theirs? Because it, it's God's, right? We think it's our stuff. We don't own anything that we have. So when it comes to our resources, when it comes to time and talents and treasures, I need you to remember that you are a steward, you are not an owner. Matthew 25, 14 through 15, Jesus says, he's starting us this um, parable. He says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, let's just call them stewards, he called his stewards and entrusted his wealth to them. Are you following me? It wasn't theirs. It was never theirs. He didn't say, I'm going on a trip, and I want to just give you this money. It's yours. He entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag. Here's the part I want you to get. Each according to his ability. So if we're using this as a parable of the kingdom, because that's what it was, you know that, right? God gives his wealth, his resources to us according to our ability to steward it. So he already knew, you are a one-bag dude, right? And I don't know where you are. Like Some of y'all are like, I'm God's gift to the kingdom, so you're, a, you're definitely a five-bag person, right? 
I feel like my prayer life is, I I say this to God all the time, God, I I think I'm just a one-bag dude. But God, make me a good steward of the one bag you gave me. Right? Don't make me like this guy who hides it in the ground because he's scared of God. But I, I need you to know whatever you have in your life right now, whatever resources, the time you have, the talents you have, the treasures you have, whether it's a lot or a little, it was given to you by God because it's his. It's not yours. And he gave it to you because he knew that you could actually steward it. Whether or not you're stewarding it well, well, that's what we're going to talk about. But you have it because he knows it's according to your ability. So, so put your heart into it. Owners love their stuff, right? Stewards love their owners. I just felt like that was so good. I heard my wife say, that's good, right? And I heard y'all go, huh? You got to get with it. I think we're going to have to become like a church. When I say something that resonates, you're going to have to say something out loud, right? Like, that's good, or go Panthers. I don't know what you want to say, but maybe some feedback, right? Let me just say that again because I think you had the time to think about this. Owners love their stuff, but stewards love their owners. And because they love their owners, they also love their owner's stuff. How many of you drove your parents' car when you were growing up? Um, I remember, oh gosh, I might have to go to counseling and even tell them the story. I used to drive my dad's Chevy Caprice Classic. If you don't know what an old Chevy Caprice Classic is, let me just paint a picture for you. Think of a box and put four doors in it. That's, that's his Chevy Caprice Classic. And we drove that to high school, y'all, high school. No wonder we got bullied. And, like, and if that car was messed up, he was like, I'm going to put that car in the shop, but you can drive our other car, which was a station wagon. Like, if we'd have had Ubers back in, back in my day, I'd have been like Ubering to school all the time, right? I did not like to drive my dad's Chevy Caprice Classic. So here's what happened. I didn't care if my dad's car got dirty. I didn't go out on my Saturdays to wash his car. If, if there was some trash in it, eh, right? I didn't care about that. Guess what happened when I bought my first car? It was a, it was a Honda hatchback. My first car payment was $203.11. I'll never forget it. Why, why do I remember how much it was? Because I was paying for it, right? Guess who didn't put junk in my car? Anybody who got in it. And I would say, uh, you left your trash in my car. Guess who got up on Saturdays to wash his car? Me. God dropped a bombshell on me a couple years ago. Because I've always, I've told these, these illustrations before, and, and my point has always been that God wants us to own things so that we will take care of them. And a couple years ago, man, God told me this. He said, Paul, that's the wrong conclusion. You needed to love your dad more. We'll let that sit for a second. Because if I had loved my dad more, I would have taken care of his car better. I didn't need to become an owner of a car. I need to steward my dad's car. Man, some of us, we have bought this lie that ownership's the deal. You're not an owner of anything. You're a steward of everything. We read it. The kingdom is like a man who went on a journey and gave his servants his wealth. And then he came back to see how they stewarded his wealth. And we've taken what God has entrusted to us and said, mine. He never called you to be an owner. He called you to be a steward. What changes between when we say, hey, I didn't like my dad's car, but I got my car. And we we think it's because we own it. But what really changed is that my heart was now attached to my car. 
when my heart should have been attached to my dad before, and then it would have been helped me take care of his car. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's why this message is so much more than just tithing and giving. There's a link between your treasure and your heart, and it cannot be separated. I used to hate when pastors would say stuff like this. This is back when people had checkbooks, and now we don't have checkbooks, right? They go, show me your checkbook, and I can see, I can see your heart. But it's true. If we peeked in your bank account, we won't. But I'm just saying, if we did, or if you peeked in my bank account, you would see the things that I value. Disney, right? And coffee, I'm thinking, John, I'm thinking about when we had the guys, the guy came and he, he went through like three years of our church receipts so he could help us get back taxes because we're like a nonprofit. And so um, <laughs> three years of receipts. And he said to John, well, here's what I've learned about your church. If you can give your pastor coffee and Mexican, he's a happy man. <laughs> right? I mean, like every other receipt is glory beans or groundwork or sundries or mazatlan or fill in the blank. I mean, and it's like, not like I'm going on your dime to eat. That's just where we do all of our meetings, right? We don't have offices here in the space. We did that to be better stewards of the space. So we meet at glory beans. And so if I'm going to be at glory beans, I'm drinking coffee, right? And I'm going to buy yours as well. What we spend our money on reveals our heart, Right? Jesus said that. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Because I was paying nothing for my dad's car, but then I started paying for my car. My heart went where my treasure went. What would have changed if I had stewarded my dad's car better, right? Can I just ask you this question, and then we're going to start to wrap this up. Are you stewarding your father's things in a way that reveals that he has your heart? I anticipate quiet there. It's all good. So all this is tied back to being a born-again believer because Jesus is Lord. And if he's Lord, it means that he has first place in my life. First place in everything. Are you putting God first in your time, in your talents, and in your treasures? Or is he getting the leftover of all three of those? I've shared this a number of times. I'll never forget the worst day of our marriage was when Wendy said, I feel like our family gets your leftovers. Is that what God feels about us? He said, honor me with the first fruits. And we say, if I got money at the end of the month, I might give. Here's your big idea. It's a cheesy little poem. Sorry. But y'all already said, hey, Jay. So you've already been a poet this morning, right? When Jesus has my heart, I won't give in part. We, we kind of nickel and dime God to death, don't we? Here's a five, here's a ten, here's a one, here's a ten, here's a twenty. Worship was pretty good today. I'll tip a little bit more. Is that too real? We're giving in part. And it's because our hearts are divided. Let's see what other thing I want to say before we pray, and hopefully you'll give me grace. Putting Jesus first in every area of my life requires that I trust him to take care of the rest. You with me? But putting Jesus last requires no trust. That again. I'm kidding. For those of you that are listening later on the podcast, Cecil said, say that again. And that's why I said it. So putting Jesus first requires that I trust him to take care of the rest. 
putting Jesus last requires no trust. So let's just see how this plays out in areas of, of like time and treasure and talents, right? So check this out. These are hypothetical statements. I didn't, it's, about, it's not speaking to you specifically. If it applies, then thank you, Jesus, right? Um, if I have enough energy after a fun Saturday night, I'll go to church. Too real, right? <laughs> I meant to go to church, but I was out till two with friends. Nothing wrong with being out with friends. You squandered your time, and and now you you don't have the time to come honor God first, right? But if we're honoring Him first with our time, then maybe the first day of the week is a good time to do that, right? With God's people in the house, right? I'm just, y'all are so quiet. It's all good. Whatever. Whatever. Check this out. Whatever talent God has given us that we use at work, we often don't want to use it in the house of God. Right? And, and again, I'm just getting you to think, right? Not, not a guilt trip, just think, right? Like, y'all, um, this won't be a surprise for anybody that knows me or is anywhere near me in my life. I ain't organized. I don't like details. If you have a conversation with me and it goes longer than 10 minutes and it's about details, you will see this odd look come over my face. And I'm somewhere on a beach. You know, saying I'm not not even in that conversation. And you'll be like, Paul, are you okay? And I'll say this. I've said this so many times. I say details make my head explode. But details are important. Would you agree? Structure is important. This might be way too transparent. But I feel like, John, don't say amen too loud. But I feel like. Our church, from the beginning of our church, is, is playing catch-up to the fact that I don't know, I don't like details. So, watch the way this works. Some of you are phenomenal with details. But, you do details all week at work. And honestly, Paul, I just want to come to sit at church and just receive Oh, might not be the best way to honor God with your talents, right? You, you okay? <laughs> okay. Whew. Again, not saying that you have to serve in the church in the same place that you're talented because I think God positions us in different seasons in different places. There's grace for all that. But what I am saying is there's a reason you have that talent. And remember, it's not your talent. We did, you remember that, right? The beginning of the message two hours ago? When, when I, we read that about how, like, God put his wealth in your life. So he gave you that talent. I'm just posing the question, how are you honoring him first with that talent? And I think sometimes, if I'm being honest as a pastor, I think the church gets your leftovers. Okay, well. Pray for me. <laughs> and again, it's like, I, listen, I'm trying. I'm trying to like not disclaimer this thing to death, but I do want you to know. I I feel like, and this is in no disrespect to anybody who hears this message that has been a part of my life from day one. I feel like I have been raised in a culture of religion and legalism. I don't feel like I'm there now, and I don't want you to receive any of this. In that way, right? Because like I said, when God has our heart, we won't give in part. We are bringing this to an end, I promise. Can you imagine, can you imagine, I'm trying to come up with really good examples, and we talk about our marriage all the time, because I think the weddings and marriages are great pictures of the kingdom, right? So can you just imagine, are y'all good if I can hear, that the day that Wendy and I got married, and I can't remember which side I stood on, Anyway, probably this, uh, whatever. I do weddings, but I don't know how they work. Um, if we had stood next to each other and we had exchanged our vows, 
And I, I, honey, Wendy, I love you. And we were traditional. We didn't write our own vows because, oh, my gosh, sweating would have happened then for sure. <laughs> and I, we exchanged our vows, and I give her my heart, and I'm, I'm all in, and I love you. And here's a ring for your finger. It's just a very small diamond. It's all I could get. And, and then we walked down the aisle to our life. And I set up two separate checking accounts, and one is for me, and I've got all the money, and I give Wendy like an allowance every month. Now, I recognize, first of all, some of y'all might do your marriage finances that way. That's your choice. But just give me a little grace while we push this analogy a little further. Does she have my heart? No. And after so many years, if she looked at me and she said, you don't love me, I would say, yes, I do. It's like, if you loved me, wouldn't you trust me with money? I, I said to a pastor one time who got on to me for spending too much money on something he thought I shouldn't have spent money on for teenagers. And it was like, what? I said, but don't I have a budget for youth? And he was like, well, yeah, but you need to check with me first. I was like, wait, so you're telling me that you trust me with their souls, but you don't trust me with money? I'm so confused right now. I, I can't say that I love her and then like give her a, just a little small allowance. It's about the heart. Giving first means I actually make room for God to come through miraculously. If I spend the first part of my week in worship with my church family, then I am actually trusting God that the rest of my week he will give me downloads in the spirit, in the service to help me at my job. Right? I'm not at home getting it all done so that I'm ready for work tomorrow because I'm going to honor God first. If I'm not in church because I'm taking care of stuff, in my, and we talked about that in recent sermons as well, then at some point you have to ask yourself, do you really, are you really all in with the Lord? Or is your life so full of stuff that you can't even give God a moment to start your week? And I know if you're raised in religion, you're like, it's all about going to church. No, it's all about the heart. Making room for him to come through. If I serve with the gifts and abilities that God's given me, I'll use them wherever they may be needed. As you wish. Or, in our terms, hey, pastor, as you need. Where do you need me to serve? I literally just spent three nights at a revival, right? One of the churches that helped to put that revival on. Logo on the website, the whole deal. I, don't, I, I told them, like, Put me wherever you need me to be. I'll do whatever. I'll stand on my head and sweep the bathrooms. I, I don't care. It's not about me. It's about just being here. God is looking for as-you-wish people, right? And if I give the first part of what I make in my tithes and my offerings, then here's what's happening. You are creating room. <laughs> Literally, you're depleting your bank account by X amount of dollars. And you're creating space in your account for God to do the miraculous. Now we're going to stop. We're going to close. Holy cow, I'm so sorry, y'all. And I feel like I should close by taking an offering. But I'm not going to, right? Because this is so much more than money. Uh, do, you hear, do you hear my heart? This is so much more than money. But I'm going to close with a scripture about money because I need to read you a quote that blew my mind about money and about stewardship and resources. And then we're going to throw some practical stuff up on the screen, and I'm gonna, we're going to say, break, and you're going to go eat food, right? That's what's going to happen. Are you with me? So Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Come on, you know where this is going, right? God's having a conversation with his people. And he says this, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now, to be clear, a tithe is the first 10%. It's the first 10%. 
I'm not being legalistic. I'm just trying to help you understand what a tithe is. If you wait till the end of the month to give your 10%, you just gave 10%. You didn't give a tithe because the tithe was the first 10% because it creates room for God to work a miracle with the other 90%. Some of y'all can't even handle 100%, so maybe give God a shot with 90, right? Now, I'll also say this. I know you're like, you said you were closing. I am, I promise. We, as a church culture, are so, ah, I want to say freaking, we're so good at debating and arguing every stinking little point. Do we tithe before taxes or after taxes? Do we even have to tithe anymore? Wasn't that Old Testament? When Jesus actually said in the New Testament to the Pharisees, you tithe in these matters, but you've neglected the former. You should have done that and this. When in the New Testament, Jesus said, you know what? I really don't want 10%. I want all. We debate this stuff to death. We debate things we won't obey. Seventy-five to ninety percent of people who say I'm all in with Jesus won't even do what he said. I will be bold enough to say, you are living in disobedience. You can deal with that. And I can say that because we're not. Oh God, give us grace. I can just feel like that legalistic spirit. Mm. Some of y'all just, re- you need to receive that. I'm going to pray for you right now, and then I'm, then I'm going to close. Because, God, there is a spirit in this area that is religious and legalistic, and I speak to it in the name of Jesus, and I, de- I demand and command that he leave. We will not be judged because we want to obey Scripture by people who don't want to obey Verse 9. Again, I want to make this clear. God is talking. You with me? So you squabble with him. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. I've told this story before. I never understood that scripture until I had a man that subcontracted me out to do web social I can't remember, SEO, that's it, search engine optimization. He subbed me out to help him on a project, and he told me that they would pay him, and then he would send me my money, right? And so it was like $350 a month. This was a long time ago. And he, he paid me for the first two months, and I never got another check from him. And I don't know if you've ever had somebody keep your $3,000. That ain't fun, right? Especially when you're on the road speaking and getting love offerings, which is basically a lot of love. I mean, it's nice, but it doesn't pay the bills. And, and I remember I was so angry at that man. I mean, the long story made short is eventually I, I sent him a letter and just said, like, I'm, I've been so mad at you because you're a brother. And you've, you've taken what's mine. But I'm, I release you. And, and if I'm being honest, I, I wrote the letter thinking that he would read it and go, oh, that's right. Wrote the check. <laughs> you know, I never got the check. But I got free, right? And I learned a valuable lesson. That the way I felt in that moment, because it wasn't like he had his money and didn't give it to me. He took my money. He fed his kids with the money that I was supposed to feed my kids with. And God said, that's what it means when it says that you robbed me. Because you're a steward of his money. And you're using it for your life in ways that he didn't tell you to. And that's robbing him. I've got to finish because I'm just so wound up. Okay. Verse 10. We're getting to the end. Bring the whole, how much? The whole tithe into the storehouse. Now listen, there's grace. And I'm telling you, if you've never given God a dime as a believer and then next week you gave God like 1% or 2% of your income, that's a great start, right? 
But the command is to bring the whole tithe. I'm just going to say that because he did. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. By the way, the storehouse is here. Because we give out of this place to bless our city from what you give. And if you don't give, guess what we don't do? Give. So you don't bring the whole tithe by sending 2% to that ministry and 3% to that ministry and 8% to that ministry. That's called an offering, and you can do that, and you should do that, and you should be generous, but it starts here. Mm. Y'all can be like, don't go to any more revivals, right? (laughs) Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, I know you've heard people say it's the only time God said you can test him, and it's true. So test him. I'm sorry, I can't test God in this until I have all of the answers. Really? Didn't you go to high school? How many times did you take a test when you didn't have all the answers? A lot. Well, for me, every single test. Teachers, can I get an amen? Do your students not take tests when they do not know the answer? You take a test so that you can be corrected and learn. The Bible says that the one who receives correction will gain understanding. I don't want to take a test because it might prove that I'm wrong. That's the point. The point of the test, and teachers don't kill me because it might not be the way education is today. But the point of the test isn't that you get a big A plus with a circle and a smiley face. You're the greatest ever. The point of the test is that you're going to get some answers wrong. And you need to learn how to deal with the no and the disappointment of a grade you didn't expect so that you can then learn and be better. That's the point of a test. So God said, test me in this. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there's not room enough to store it. I take that verse and I say, God, we claim it at the gathering. Not that we'll have a ton of money, but there will be so many souls saved for the kingdom that this building won't be able to handle it. And we'll have friendships and partnerships with churches all over the area that will be packed full of people. I don't want you to give so we have more money. I want you to give so that you'll be engaged in the mission of the gospel. Verse 11, and some of you are like, amen, it's the last verse. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I read all that because I need to read you this quote from a man named Jimmy Evans. He was a pastor for many, many years. And here's what he says about that passage. Are you ready? God tells them and us that he has the ability to rebuke the devourer for their sakes if they will return to him in the giving of tithes and offerings obediently. And then he said this. This is what really got, got my attention. You see... You'll never keep a tithe from God. You'll give it to God or you'll give it to, listen, the auto mechanic, the appliance store, the doctor, the plumber, or someone else who has to fix your unblessed life. I can't drop it because it'll break, you know. Y'all, do you hear that? Now, hear the grace that he gives after that. By the way, giving doesn't ensure that you'll never have problems, and it doesn't, amen, givers in the house, right? But it radically reduces the negative and increases the positive. Some of you give your first money to Hulu. You give your first money to Netflix. And I know your, your heart's attached to Netflix because you binge so much of your time away on Netflix. Some of you are giving a lot of your money to people who are literally fixing your unblessed life. We haven't always budgeted well. But we have always budgeted the first 10% to God. Always. And listen, you come ask me. I'll open up my account. You can look at as far back as we've been married, and you'll see it. 
I wouldn't preach this this boldly if we weren't living it out. And our lives are problem free. <laughs> Y'all are funny. You're like, nah, nah, man. You're a pastor in a pandemic. I know that ain't true, right? But you know what our our lives are? And I really, I think I can say this with full transparency. Our lives are worry-free. And they are not problem-free. I got, we got way too many problems <laughs> in, in every area, right? But they're worry-free. Because he has my heart. He has my heart. And I want him to have yours. And a great way to start giving God your heart is to give him some of your cash because it's his. And if, if our hearts are where our treasure is, check this out. When you pull your phone out, and, and when I text in my tithe, because I do think it's super cool to do that, when I text my tithe, it's almost like whatever, however that works, and you hit the, the arrow and it makes that whoop noise, the whoop represents my heart flying through the air. Right? Because your heart is attached to your treasure. That's what we read. Where your heart is, your treasure will be also. It also means where your treasure is, your heart will be. So what you're giving to is what your heart's going to. Okay, we'll say that one more time, then we're going to wrap up. What you're giving to is what your heart's going to. That might be a much better big idea. And I think that's why when I read stats like 75 to 90% of people in church don't tithe, it doesn't make me mad. It just breaks my heart. Because that means like nine out of ten of God's children are not attaching their heart to the things of God. Uh, we were laughing earlier, now we're not. So, okay. I'm going to pray. Super practical illustrate. I mean, super practical ending. I'm going to pray. And why don't you go ahead and throw that, that image up on the screen. So, um, we talked about time, treasures, and talents, right? So, if you want to give your treasure to the church, then you it's very simple. I mean, you can write a check and drop it in the box for sure, but you can also text that keyword to that 77977 number, and you'll get a response right back on your phone that says, hey, thanks for your generosity, and click this link to go set up. We're, we're, we, I told you a couple, couple weeks ago we're switching from, um, we've been with SecureGive, and we're just switching to PushPay, so this will help you get set up on that new PushPay thing. Somebody, PushPay is everywhere, so you probably already got an account with them. And, and that's important, y'all. So I'm not going to minimize the giving, right? Oh, shucks, give if you want to, but serve. No, give and serve, right? So treasures at the top, and then we got time and talent. Listen, some of y'all, you're the most talented people I know. Don't squander your gifts, but not give them to the Lord, your time and your talents. So you can text, I mean, there's just three areas, family life, worship, arts, and connection. Um, you, there's three areas right there where you can start serving. If you're interested in any one of those areas, I'm just going to ask you to text that keyword. So let's make this super, super simple, right? I think I'd love to sing. Hey, maybe you can, maybe you can't, right? <laughs> I've watched American Idol. I know how that works, right? Some, some people really think they can sing, and it's not good. And some people don't think they can, and it's really good. But maybe, but you have a heart, you have a desire. Like I would just, I'd be curious to help out in that area. Well, then you would text worship to that number at the bottom of the screen. That, you see what I'm saying? And you'll just get some responses back. Now, I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to make this bold statement. Are you ready? If you just listen to me preach to you and teach to you for the last 45 minutes, or maybe it was longer, and your response is to not do any of that, you wasted your morning. And you wasted my time. And more importantly, we just wasted God's. You don't have an option, y'all. I mean, I hope that doesn't come across mean, because it's not mean. And I'm not saying this because we don't have money at the church or we don't have people that serve. I will tell you this, that we are rapidly approaching where we need to do two services again, and we don't have the help to do it. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to go to heaven someday and have God ask me why we didn't win more people to the kingdom. And I go, I just 
couldn't get your church to do anything. Because we are called to the mission. Not just me. We. Right? So you don't, you're, here's your options. I'm going to pray. Tell me to pray. Somebody tell me to pray. Your options are, as you respond, right, we're not going to do an altar thing. Just here's your options. Do one of those or all of those. When you go get your food out there, it, it just so happens that we're going to do this today. If you're interested in more information about worship arts, then we're actually going to go get your food and come back. We're just going to hang out right over here and just talk for a little bit about that. So that means, like, people on the platform singing and playing and people that are in back, like, running lights and all that kind of stuff. If, you wanna, if you're even remotely interested in that, grab some food, just come over here and sit down. We'll just chat. Or walk out miserable. Because this is a clear call, right? This is a clear call. And I'm telling you, according with all the authority of all the scripture we just read, if we ignore that clear call, we're not going to live a blessed life. Ugh. We should pray. God, oh, man. My, my heart is not to be nice, but it is to be kind. And I pray that today you would take the words that have been spoken and anything that has been said that wasn't kind, you would just take it out. God, remove it. Because our heart here is like the passion in me is just that, God, there's, there's so much, so much to do for the kingdom. And, and it all starts, God, with us stewarding what you've given us. And so even as I've been teaching, I've been thinking about the things in my life, like, and I'm so convicted. There are so many areas in my life where I can give you more. And so I just pray, God, over myself and everyone in the room, not that you would reach into our back pocket and grab our money and, like, shake us like a dog until it comes out. But my, my prayer, God, is that you would get our heart. Man, just arrest my heart for the kingdom then I wouldn't be spending my life doing work for you and counting all the costs all the time. But that there would be a point, God, where my heart would just say, yes, Lord, as you wish, whatever you need, just use me. And I pray a blessing on everyone in this room, everyone that's watching online. Man, the people that watched online and hung in here the whole time, bless them, God. But bless the ones who take a step of obedience today to give of their time and their treasures and their talents. That they would feel the reward of Malachi 3. You literally throwing open a window and just pouring out blessing that they cannot even contain. And allow us as a church to love our city, to love the world even more as you enable us to steward more. In your name, Jesus, amen.